This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, it's good to be back here this morning. I left a pause there because I was really hoping somebody would say, it's good to have you back, but clearly I shouldn't have paused. So it's good to be back this morning. Thank you, whoever that was, I appreciate it. Val, thank you. Um, We were away last week, we had a few days in the Lake District with some friends, and I was uh, preaching at the New Frontiers Church uh, in Penrith, which was great and really good to be with uh, them and uh, serve them. So we had a, a fun time up there. It actually snowed in the Lake District last week, so our kids were making snowballs, sort of ice balls, more than snowballs, and throwing them at this dam that's holding one of the reservoirs in, trying to knock it down. But fortunately, it stayed firm, which was good. Otherwise, you can imagine the headlines, can't you? Sort of dam collapsed by throwball snowing kids, but it was all good. So it's good to be back here and uh, worship with you guys this morning. It's nice to be here. Uh, Sarah and I. Uh, were on the phone, or rather on Skype, to Dave and Hannah Moon yesterday and uh, chatting to them as they uh, serve God in Japan and are part of the uh, church that's being established uh, in, uh, in Goya. And we had a great time talking with them for a little while and uh, good to hear how they're doing. And uh, just to give you a bit of an update, I said to Dave, what can we pray for for you? How can we pray for you? And he said, well, the first thing is to thank God that they've both got jobs, which is great. They're really thrilled about that. They're both teaching English in a couple of different places. Uh, And so they're thrilled about that. So that's something to thank the Lord for and thank him for for providing. But Dave's work currently requires him to work on Sunday mornings. And so he finishes about half an hour before church starts. Uh, So he gets there, but he can't serve and help set up. And if you know Dave... And Hannah, you know their heart is to serve, and that's the very reason they're in Japan. And particularly his uh, gifting and expertise is uh, on a technical and musical arena, and he needs to be there early to be able to serve in that capacity. So he's really praying that he's able to get Sunday mornings off or a job change to enable that to happen. So please do pray for that for him. Uh, and the other two things were that they continue to make good Japanese friendships. And Hannah was saying how she went out with some friends after playing badminton. So the badminton has continued with them being in Japan and went out to a Chinese restaurant after that. And uh, it was hard to keep up with the conversation, as you can imagine, as it was going two to a dozen in Japanese. And she was occasionally getting a word that she understood. But she's beginning to make good, and they both begin to make good Japanese friends, which is great. So uh, do pray for continuation of that for them. Uh, And then thirdly, uh, Dave said they're looking for a new venue for their church meeting uh, and and asked if we would pray for that for them as well, uh, that that would be found and the church would continue to grow. So there's a bit of an update from them, if you know them, and uh, we can keep praying for them as they serve God out there. Okay, if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 8, please. We're back in our series in the Gospel of Luke. And we've got to uh, chapter 8. This is quite a well-known passage. It's a parable of Jesus. And uh, it may be familiar to you. It may be new to you. It doesn't matter either way. I feel God's got stuff for us from this passage this morning. So we're going to read some verses 
together, which start at the beginning of Luke chapter 8, and we'll start reading at verse 1. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as the disciples were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Meanwhile, uh, a while, uh, yeah, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by perseverance produce a crop. Okay, so this parable then that Jesus tells outlines four different responses to the gospel. And remember, Jesus is speaking to a largely agricultural community. So to speak to them about planting seed and crop uh, and things growing is, is very normal to them. They would have understood what he was talking about. And so this farmer goes out to sow his seed, and one of four things happen. The seed falls in one of four places. It either falls on the path, on rocky grounds, on thorns, or on good soil. There are four scenarios here that Jesus tells us about. And so we're going to consider the farmer and the grounds that the seed lands in. And bear in mind, in Jesus' parable, in the story that Jesus is telling here, the seed is the word of God. So what the farmer is planting in this picture that Jesus is using, the seed is the word of God. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And we get to see in this parable, Jesus tells us what happens when this seed, this good news, goes out. So let's pray and we'll see what God has for us this morning, yeah? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. And God, we pray now that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and be our teacher? Would you help us to understand what we read? Would you apply it to our lives? Would you do us good through your word, please, Lord? 
And uh, Father, I pray for me, you'd help me to communicate well. Father, I pray for each of us that we would hear this morning the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the farmer then is sowing, isn't he? And he's sowing by hand. And you can imagine he's, sort of, he's got a bag on his side maybe and he sort of reaches in, grabs a whole handful of seed and liberally sows it out as he walks. Now in his field it's unlikely that the ground had been ploughed. In Eastern culture then the ground was often ploughed after sowing rather than before which is more typical in our culture these days. But you notice he isn't particularly concerned about where the seed is going. You can imagine him taking whole handfuls of it from his bag and very liberally throwing the seed out as he walks. And the seed lands where it will. There's no careful planting. It's not like he's got you know, a bulb and he's sort of carefully digging a hole and popping it in the ground and putting some soil over and, and walking a certain pace further and doing it again. It's not like that. He's not paying particular attention, it seems, to where the seed goes. You might say to me, isn't it a waste, you know? Why don't you pay more attention to where the seed goes? But actually he isn't. He's very liberally sowing the seed and it lands wherever it will. Does that have anything to say to us before we get into the types of soil that it lands in? Well, I think it does. Bear in mind, in Jesus' story here, the seed is the word of God. That's what he's talking about. And what Jesus is saying to us, I believe, through this, is so generously. Be very generous with how you distribute, how you sow, how you talk about the good news of the kingdom of God. Be generous in it. Don't try and work out who will respond. For those of us who have been a Christian for any length of time, you have probably had the sort of internal conversation in your mind when you're thinking about a work colleague or a friend and you sort of start to work out whether they're likely to respond to the gospel or not. You think, that person probably will. And then you sometimes think, oh, but that person just seems so far from God. I, I can't imagine how they'd respond. Anybody had that sort of internal conversation? We've probably all done it, I would imagine. But what Jesus says to us here be generous. Be generous when you're sowing God's word. Don't try and work out who will respond. That's not, your, your, that's not yours to work out. That's up to the Holy Spirit working in hearts. Your job is to be generous with sowing the seed. And also, as well as be generous, expect fruit. Expect fruit. The farmer was quite clear. He expected some of the seed that landed to produce, a fruit, to produce fruit. There was a clear expectation that this was not a pointless exercise. This was going to result in a crop. This wasn't just him having a day out. It wasn't just an exercise of fun for him. This was his livelihood. But it's okay, because he's expecting fruits. He expects to produce fruit by what he does. I wonder, do you expect to produce fruits as a Christian? When you're sharing the gospel with a friend, a work colleague, a neighbour may be, do you expect the gospel to produce fruit? Or do you think, well, I know, I've, I've invited them to something before, or I've ex- shared something in my faith, and nothing seems to change? What's your expectation? 
Friends, even before we get into looking at the different types of soil that Jesus tells us about here, let's hear the first bit so generously. Expect fruits. See, you and I have been entrusted with fantastic good news, haven't we? Actually, it's the best news ever. And there's lots of it to go around. It's not that there's somehow a very limited supply and Jesus is saying, well, there's only just a little bit. You've got to be very, very careful where you sow because if you sow too much over here, you won't have enough to sow there. Actually, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be generous. Be generous. Expect fruits. And yes, it's true that we understand from Scripture that people can only respond to the Gospel because of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That is true. What's also true is that you and I don't know who Jesus is working in. You don't know who's on his radar. You don't know the situations and the circumstances that people are facing. You don't know how God is leading people to himself. And our job is not to try and work that out. Our job is to sow generously and to expect fruits. So let me ask you, are you a generous sower? of seed? Do you expect fruit? Do you expect Jesus to be at work? Our job is not to try and work it out, what God is doing. Our job is to be friends, to love, to serve, to witness, and to share the good news of the gospel. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to do his work. Let's not try and do what is his. Let's take responsibility for doing what is our job, which is to, to sow the seeds. The time and again, right throughout Scripture, the kingdom of God is referred to uh, as something that grows, that bears fruits. Let's expect God to bear fruits. Let's expect it. It's right that we expect fruits. So, this seed that Jesus talks about falls in one of a number of places. And the different places, the different sorts of soil that the seed falls in, represent different sorts of hearts, if you like, or places that people are at and their response to the gospel. So firstly then, some seed falls on the path. Verse 12, those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So people who are like seed falling on the path then, are those who hear the message of the gospel, they've had it explained to them, they hear it, but before it can take root even, before anything happens, Satan comes and takes it away. And they don't believe. They're perhaps the people who have, you may have invited to something, maybe a guest service like Ray was talking about earlier, the carol service for example, maybe you've invited them to an Alpha Supper and they're the people that have said no. They're the people that have said actually no thank you. That's the, sort of, that's the path. They're the path people, if you like, if you want to call them that. They're the, they're the people who actually have heard something, maybe you've shared your faith with them, maybe you've talked about what Jesus has done in your life. But before anything can happen, Satan takes, takes it away and they don't, don't believe, they don't respond. They're the path people. But it occurred to me as I was preparing this, thinking about paths, 
that most paths have cracks in. It's true, isn't it? I don't think it's just ours. Most paths have cracks in. And actually, most people have got cracks in as well. And it's not that we go looking for cracks. (laughs) It's not that we go searching them out somehow. But listen, for most people in their life, they will have periods of time where something will happen, circumstances will so evolve, or they will face situations that will cause them to think about the bigger questions of life. And it's in those moments that it's like a crack opening up in the path. And it's sometimes in those moments that the word of God can take hold. Even maybe a seed that was sown some time ago can roll into the crack. Maybe something you shared even years ago with them. The Holy Spirit can bring to mind in moments of challenge or need. So don't give up on people who you think are like paths. Don't give up. Keep sowing the seed and God will do what he will do in his time. So some seed falls on the path. Secondly then, some seed falls on rock. Verse 13 says, Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So some people then do make a response to the gospel. These are not like people of the path who to make no response. They make a response. Maybe they put a hand up at a meeting. Maybe they come to the front. Maybe they make a response at an alpha course. Something has happened. They've made some sort of response to Jesus. But if that's all that happens in that moment, or in that meeting, or in that afternoon, or in that conversation, if that's all there is and there isn't anything following that, there's no follow-through at all, then they're like people that, they're like seed that falls on rock. It doesn't take roots. Jesus says they hear the word with joy. And they do indeed make a, make a response. There's a, there's a joy in responding to the Lord. But there's no root there. It doesn't go any further. It doesn't take hold in their life. You see, to survive, a plant needs to have a root, doesn't it? And if you think about plants that survive in difficult places, um, or you think about trees which grow to be very, very tall, they can only survive if they have a deep root. And it goes down. And it says stability there. And it, it gains moisture and the nutrients from the soil. And it provides stability to the, uh, the plant or the tree. Well, that's what we need, isn't it? In our lives, we need depth there. We need roots there. And so to survive the storms of life, to survive the winds that will certainly come, you need roots. And Jesus says that for some people it's like seed that falls on rock. They believe for a while, but because there's no root there, in times of testing they fall away. So roots need to go deep. So let me ask you, Are you going deep? Have you got deep roots? Are you digging into the Lord's? Are you getting hold of his words? Are you learning to grow as a Christian? It's as you grow as a Christian that you you put down roots that then will serve you well in years to come. So thirdly, 
we've got that some seed falls on thorns. So verse 14, if you still get your Bible open in front of you, says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. So this is the third option that Jesus gives. We've had the path and we've had rock. Now we've got seed falling on thorns. And in this case, it's a bit different. It starts off well. Seed falls. It, it, gains, it gains a little root, maybe. And it starts to grow. It starts to bud. And there appears to be some life there, as far as you can see. But as it grows a little, the thorns come and choke the life out of it. And that's the end of it. So for the seed, to continue the analogy here, it all starts off really well. It's all looking good. But then the thorns take over. Maybe the thorns were already there in the ground. Maybe they came up with the plants. We're not actually told it. But either way, clearly, the thorns take over. And the plant ends up withering and dying. You see, the trouble with thorns and weeds is that they take uh, all the nutrients and life out of the soil. They, they suck it dry. So that the plant that you want to grow can't. We uh, moved house over the summer and uh, we've gone from a garden which had purely grass and a couple of tubs that were nicely empty to a garden which is full well, no, the garden that was full <laughs> of flowers and, and different plants. And uh, one particularly good area of the garden, that uh, uh, the previous occupant said, that's a great patch of soil. That's, that's become the trampoline area, unfortunately. Don't tell the previous owners of the house. But the rest of the garden, it's full of all sorts of different flowers, some of which we know something about, some of which we don't. So there's a time a few months ago where we were doing some gardening, when I say we, I mean um, Sarah was doing some gardening. And uh, we came across a plant. We didn't know what it was. Is this, is this a weed or is it a plant? So I took a photo of said specimen and uh, put it on Facebook and said to my friends, what is this? Does anybody know? Well, then there's a great argument online as to whether this was a weed or whether it was a plant, whether it came from Japan or China. And so the discussion went on. And in some people's opinions, it's a very rare and special plant. And in other people's opinions, it was a weed that needs to be dug out, cut away and burnt. I'm not sure what we did with it in the end. Can you remember? Is it still there? We've kept some of it. So we've sort of gone halfway, removed half of it, kept half of it there just in case it's really good. But the trouble with weeds is that they, and thorns is that they take the nutrients out of the soil so that what you want to grow can't. It sucks all the life out of it. And I think for us as Christians, this is a really dangerous one. We need to take note of what Jesus is saying here. You see, it can look like everything is going really well. There appears to be some life there. The plant is growing. Maybe you're growing as a Christian. You've responded to Christ. Maybe you're making some steps in following him. But then it's the thorns that come along and get in. Jesus says that he's talking about life's worries, riches and pleasures. Worries, riches and pleasures. 
I guess the truth is we've all worried about something at some point or another, to one degree or another. Things come along and cause us some degree of worry or questioning. But the Bible has some clear things to say about worry. For example, Jesus says this in Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So Paul doesn't say, ignore it and don't come to God about it. But he does very clearly say, don't be anxious, bring it to the Lord. You see, worry can get in the way of trust. And as Christians, we're called to be those who trust in the Lord, who not only believe in him when we respond to Christ, but then as an ongoing act of decision on our part, we trust him. And it is an ongoing act of decision, isn't it? We can say, well, I trusted yesterday. Well, that was great for yesterday. What about today? (laughs) What about tomorrow? Are you trusting the Lord with your today and tomorrow, not just your yesterday? Jesus calls us to trust him. And worry can get in the way. So we need to be real about these things, not pretend they don't exist. But listen to what Paul says, not being anxious, but rather presenting our requests to the Lord. But let's be clear, worry is a thorn. Worry, according to Jesus here, is a thorn. There's another thorn here we need to watch out for, and that's riches. Jesus told lots of uh, parables about those who are rich and he had lots to say about wealth and riches and money and what we do with it. For example, listen to what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, in Mark 10, 23, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if you read the commentaries, there's lots of this discussion about what that phrase, an eye of a needle, means. Was it literally a needle that you might thread a, a thread through? Well, there's no way a camel can get through there. Was it maybe a gate in the wall of Jerusalem that was you know, difficult for an camel to get through? Really too small for that? Either way, Jesus says, listen, it's hard. It is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. You might say, well, why is that? Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 16. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. So let's be clear here. Money in and of itself is not evil. It can be used for good or it can be used for bad. If it becomes your God, if it drives you, then you're in trouble. Big trouble. Because then it's a thorn. 
and it will pull you down. It will suck all the life out of you. It will take away what God is doing in your heart. So Jesus is warning us here. This is a warning parable to us. Watch out for the thorn of riches. And similarly, Jesus talks about pleasure, it being the third category he adds here. And again, good things are not bad. If I can say that, that makes sense as a, as a sentence. It's not that those things are bad and to be avoided. God has given us good gifts to enjoy. It's not that we serve a God who looks down and says, well, I'm going to give them a really bad time. I don't want them to enjoy life. It's not like that at all. Scripture is really clear. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So God doesn't change. He gives good gifts to his children. He wants us to enjoy them. That's good. But listen, if you start living for those things rather than living for the Lord, they become a thorn to you. And they'll take away life from you. And you risk losing your relationship, the life of your relationship with the Lord because of it. It'll draw energy and life from you. You see, anything that draws you away from God, even if in and of itself is not evil, is to be avoided. Surely it'll be true that anything that draws us away from him, we want to steer clear of. You might say, well, Graham, that's not a bad thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe for somebody else it's good and they can enjoy it. Maybe for you it causes you a problem. So steer clear. Have you got any of these thorns growing up in your life? Could you be knocked off track by life's worries, riches or pleasures? Friends, this is serious. We're, we're in a battle here, aren't we? We have an enemy, an adversary, that is out to pull us down and draw us away from the Lord. We've remembered this morning it being Remembrance Sunday. We're, it's in the forefront of our minds about battles and wars. And in battles and wars there are casualties. And the Christian life is not like a battle and a war. It is a battle and a war. We have an enemy who is out to draw us away from the Lord. And some of the things he uses are these things that Jesus is warning us about here. Life's worries, riches and pleasures. So Satan will use whatever tactic he can. He doesn't play fair. Any way he can get you out of the game, he will. So have you got thorns that you need to pull out and get rid of? When we, sorry, when Sarah looks after our garden, she's looking for weeds. What needs to be pulled out? What needs to be got rid of in order for the plants to flourish? What needs to be pulled out of your life in order for God's life to flourish? I was going to pause at the end, but I think I'm just going to pause here for a moment. I just, I just feel God speaking to us on this. Lord, I want to pray even now that you would speak to us. Lord, if there are thorns in our lives, 
that need to be poured out. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you'd put your finger on those things. Father, I want to pray now for my brothers and sisters here. Lord, if there are thorns that need to be pulled out, weeds that need to be got rid of, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you please speak now? Put your finger on those things, Lord. I, I pray that this morning will be a, a, a weeding morning <laughs> where thorns are got rid of in order that your life may flourish. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I pray now. I just feel maybe for some of you, you might think, well, you know what? It's not a bad thing. <laughs> and maybe it isn't. But listen, anything that pulls you away from the Lord, anything that gets in the way of your relationship with Him, is a thorn, is a weed. needs to be dealt with, pulled out. It might not be a weed for someone else. It might be fine. It might not be a distraction to them. But for you, it's become an issue or a problem. I want to urge you this morning, if that's you, to to do some weeding before the Lord. (laughs) To pull it out. Father, I want to thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you that your grace is sufficient. Thank you that you help us, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So the fourth category of soil then. So we've, uh, we've been through a few here, haven't we? We've been on, uh, looked at the path, we looked at the rock, we looked at thorns, and then finally, some seed falls on good soil. Verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. The kingdom of God is meant to grow. God intends for there to be fruit. And by persevering then, there'll be good harvest. James says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Friends, we're called to persevere in the Christian life. It's not an easy one. You'll require perseverance. But don't worry. Remember earlier... (laughs) Because God gives grace for it. And sometimes I think we don't always explain things well to people as they look into the Christian faith. Sometimes it can, it can be, come across as a, you know, come to Jesus and <laughs> all your problems are solved. That's not what the Bible says. It's come to Jesus, put your trust in him. Have your sin forgiven. And keep walking with him. Keep persevering in what he has for you. And he'll give you his grace as you go, as you need it. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12. He said uh, that uh, Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
So Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That's one of those fridge magnet verses, isn't it, I guess? But it's one we need to hear. And we need it allowed, we need to allow it to take root in our lives. Because God makes it very clear. His grace is sufficient. It is all that you need. His power is made perfect in your weakness. And if this morning you're thinking, yeah, but I'm just weak, then God says, That's great. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And as God gives grace, as you persevere, keep being faithful to the Lord, holding on to Him, walking with Him, allowing uh, Him to bring fruit in your life, rooting out weeds and thorns as they come along, as all that happens, then you'll produce fruit. Maybe a hundred times that which was sown. That's a pretty good return, isn't it? Any return on investment that produces a hundredfold is pretty good going. I'm not sure if we have any investment bankers in the meeting this morning, but I think for anybody, would that be a good investment? I think they'd say it probably is. And Jesus says we allow him to work in our lives. We allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. As we keep walking with the Lord, you'll produce fruit. You'll produce fruit. Maybe a hundred times that which was sown. Perhaps the band can come up, please, as we come to a conclusion. Let me ask you a question as we start to finish. What do you need to take away from this morning? What's the thing that you need to hear? Do you maybe need fresh faith to sow seed? Maybe you've given up on a few people thinking, oh, it just couldn't be. They just seem too difficult. Maybe you need fresh faith to be a seed sower. Is that you? Is that what you need, how you need to respond this morning? Or maybe for you, do you need to watch out for life's worries, for life's riches and pleasures? Perhaps for some of you, you would describe yourself as good soil. Maybe you just need to make a response to the Lord this morning. Or maybe you need to do some weeding. Let's stand together, can we? I want us to, to pray. I wonder what sort of soil are you right now? <laughs> what type of soil are you? Are you the path? Are you the rocky place? Are you the part that's full of thorns? Or are you good soil? Are you good soil? I want us to take a moment. I know we, we paused earlier. Uh, but I just want to pause again and just ask the Lord to do what he wants to do. I, I feel I've I trust being faithful in what I felt God give me. And so I just want to allow God to do what only he can do now. Let's just look to the Lord. Let's be quiet before him. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and speak to each of us. Lord Jesus, I want to pray now that 
we might make a response to you this morning. Lord, for each of us, whether it's to have fresh faith for sowing seed, Lord, whether it's to do some weeding, to get rid of some thorns, to, to watch out for life's worries, riches and pleasures. Father, I pray for each of us now that we would respond to you as you're leading us. Thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. Lord, thank you that as you identify areas of our lives that need to be weeded, you give us the grace to take hold of things and to deal with things. Thank you that you don't just point things out and then let us try and resolve it in our own strength, but rather thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us grace. And thank you that it's made perfect in our weakness that your power is there. So Lord, I want to pray now that you would continue your work in our lives. Lord, help each of us to be those who produce a good crop, who are good soil, who bear fruit for you. Lord, that's our desire, that's our heart. Lord, that we might yield a crop a hundred times more than was sown in us. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.